0: On this episode, we discuss Pottersville. Dan, it's pronounced
1: Hogwarts.
0: Welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey Dan, how you doing? Uh, all right. We <laughs> can't get through a, a single intro. Hey guys,
2: hey. I'm Stuart Wellington from the Flop House Podcast. Okay. Hey guys, guess who I am? I'll give you two clues. One, okay. And if I'm we a,
1: guess your true name, do we get to uh, have you, power you
2: get, over you? You get power over me, and I'll help you spin straw into gold. Uh, so <laughs> here's two clues: one, I'm America's rascal sweetheart, and okay. two, my name is Elliot Kalen. Can you guess it?
1: Mm, I think he buried the lead. Did I use that that turn of phrase correctly? It's uh, close enough.
2: Guess so, so can you can you guess my identity? Rumpelstiltskin. Okay, you got me. I, uh, I didn't think you were going to guess it that easily, since it's such a goofy name. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, Rumpelstiltskin. My I'm, my family invented the stilt and also <laughs> apparently, the
0: rump. He, apparently, your family invent, invented stilts that have skin over them.
2: Yeah, and they go gets on your rumped. Rump. No, it's – oh, I see. Oh, it's, that's, a, that's a better explanation for my name, yeah. Yeah, so here's the problem is that we invented coverings for stilts, stilt skin we call it, but it was so easily wrinkled and rumpled because of the fabric it was made out of that people called us Rumple Stilt Skin, and it just stuck. And you know what? When you have a brand, all publicity is good publicity. So people are like, Rumple Stilt Skin? Their stilt skins get very easily rumpled, and also they try to steal babies by teaching women how to spin straw into gold, and I'm like, hey – I'm not even going to try to defend myself against those charges because that's just going to keep the rumor in the news cycle. But uh-huh. all yeah. publicity is good publicity. Who? Hey, you don't like Rumpelstiltskin, but you're talking about me. So that's true. Yeah. So can I sell you some stiltskins? Warning: They do rumble a bit. <laughs> uh, I my stilts are pretty good
0: on un, on un, unvarnished, unmolested. They're uh, they're fine as they are. What? Stewart. <laughs> Stuart. <laughs> Stuart. Stu? I think Stewart might be America's Rascal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
1: Oh man. Anyway, well, I am a thing that you can ride around on if you're <laughs> old or have trouble walking. <laughs> no, we we
0: wouldn't ride on you, Stuart. Your back's you know your back's too weak for that. Very fragile.
1: So Very fragile. that's the thing, guys. I've been waiting to give you guys a back update. Okay, uh, great. So I've been going to the gym a little bit. You uh-huh. know, chasing gains, uh, pushing weights around, and you know what? My back has never felt better. That's great. Mm-hmm. So FYI, uh, Stuart's back is. Feeling better. So I
2: guess <laughs> FYI to the – to the, whoever the equivalent to Stuart's Bane is, if you're uh-huh. going to break Stuart's back, now's the time to do it. It's at its peak yeah. condition. Uh, I feel like – yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm flying so high. I'm like Icarus. If Icarus uh, bragged about his back all the time before Bane snapped him in half.
2: Oh, you know that's exactly what happened. Icarus was like, "Strap those wings on. My back feels great," and mm-hmm. he flew cl- too close to the sun. What they mean is the son of Bane's father, Bane, mm-hmm. and Bane just <laughs> is like always talking about his back. I'm going to snap it, and he did.
1: Mm-hmm. That's why Bane broke Batman's back, right? Is because Batman was going on the news and stuff, bragging about how strong his back was.
2: Well, the the thing is, he's actually not called Batman. He's called Backman because oh, okay. he's always talking about his back, and he has the he has a back. As strong as ten men's backs, uh-huh. and so because here's a he was bitten by a radioactive back, and yep. it gave him a lot. When he, and he said, "Hmm, criminals are a superstitious and cowardly lot." And then, <laughs> and then a back fell through his window, <laughs> and he said, "Oh, I'll be a back." So he's always bragging about his back, and he wrote a book called "Backman's Guide to Back Strength." And Bane uh-huh. was like, "My back's way stronger than him. I'll show him because it takes a lot of back strength to mm-hmm. break someone else's back."
1: But that was the thing. What what Backman didn't. Uh, didn't tell anybody, and Bane found out by reading a bunch of books, is that Batman was originally dipped into the River Styx by his mother, mm-hmm. but she had to hold on to his back the whole time. And that turned out that was the only part of him that wasn't immortal or whatever.
2: Yeah, which he didn't realize. Now, the big the big mistake was that Bane at first got Backman mixed up with Beckman, the man uh-huh. with all the powers of Beck, which, uh-huh. uh, as you know, gives you amazing power over beats, and you can dance mm-hmm. like James Brown, and mm-hmm. you kind of the Sam Rockwell of music. In a lot you're of also, ways. but you're, and you're also like a Scientologist. I mean, that's everyone's religion is their own choice. That's that. That's not a superpower unless you are. I guess some people's religion gives them superpowers, like uh, uh, Donnie and Marie Osmond. But, uh-huh. but at <laughs> okay. first, Bane went off to, went after Beckman because uh-huh. he, because Bane. He has a problem. He reads A's and E's as the same letter. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. So I'm getting real
0: deep into this.
2: Yeah. So uh, what's that called? A diphthong or whatever, where it's an A and an E right next to each other. Uh, mm-hmm. And so he went after Beckman, and Beckman was like, but my back is normal strength. And Bane was like, don't try to don't try to convince me now. I'm going to break your back too.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that was America's diphthong, Elliot Kalen
2: going off on a <laughs> weird rant. Guys, <laughs> <Nice, laughs> I, I didn't even talk about it when he went after Bickman. Oh, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Who, well, who has the power of, to shave? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
0: Oh, I thought it was big pens, but uh, and big lighters. Pens. The, pens
1: I'm glad you, that you uh, extended this a little bit it. more, Dan. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, Dan, uh, what do we do on this podcast other than waste everybody's time? Uh, we talk. Ab- we watch a bad movie and then we talk about
0: it. Uh-huh. And uh, what do we do this week? Well, we watched a movie that because it's the holiday season, I suggested a movie called Potter'sville,
1: uh-huh. and we just went along with it
0: vaguely. And we just, a- vaguely a holiday movie,
1: sort It's of.
2: kind of Christmassy. It's a movie that, it, it's like a snowball going down a hill. It picks up more Christmas as it rolls along. Until yeah. by the end, they're like, it's a Christmas miracle. And I was like, wait a minute. How, <laughs> what was Christmassy about this movie up until this point? That it's winter? I don't understand. Yeah. And also the soundtrack is ridiculously Christmassy. So. That's true. They have a bunch uh, of Christmas songs. Now, Dan, what brought this movie to your attention? Because I had never heard of it, despite it having an objectively amazing cast.
0: Yeah. Uh, when they when it first came out, there was a spate of ar- articles about it. They were like, "What is this movie Potter'sville, and why does it have all these famous people in it?"
1: Uh-huh. I uh, also I remember I remember uh, one of the actors in the film, Ron Perlman. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, going on social media, being like mad that people are tra- trashing this movie.
2: Uh-oh. Should <laughs> uh, we not like, trash uh, it then? Because well, he was a producer on it too, Ron Perlman. Yeah, I, I think I like you mean, him I, a lot.
1: Yeah, I think he was complaining. It was that complaint of like, like people are only making fun of it because it isn't some big budget superhero movie or some shit. <laughs> and oh. it's like, nope,
2: that's not why. No, there's there's valid reasons to make fun of it. Yeah, let's look at Strange movie. Yeah, it's go a strange on. movie. This cast. You got Michael Shannon as uh-huh. the hero. You got uh-huh. Judy Greer, Bob's <laughs> yeah. yeah, favorite I- Judy. In, like, a,
1: in a bit of stunt casting, they cast Michael Shannon to play a non-Bigfoot.
2: <laughs> to play, to, <laughs> uh, Michael Shannon is playing the kind of Jimmy Stewart role. This is very, it's not much like It's a Wonderful Life, but in tone, I think they want it to be like that. And he's playing that Jimmy Stewart role when usually Michael Shannon plays the role of someone who is a serial killer. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. so at every moment I was waiting for the the end of violence moment when uh it w- or history of violence moment where it would be revealed that he was actually a hitman who was – undercover yeah. somewhere. Yeah, uh, there's
1: something about Normcore Michael Shannon that makes it all the more uh, terrifying and tense. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, intense. a moment late in the movie where he and Judy Greer exchange a kiss <laughs> and I have never felt more nervous for both people in my life.
2: You're, you're afraid that he was going to bite her lip off. <laughs> uh, quite possibly. And I love Michael Shannon. I think he's an amazing actor. He's he's fantastic. But there is an intensity about him that I, the idea that that could just exist in a small town shopkeeper is terrifying. <laughs> yeah to me. yeah i forgot
0: uh, but, i forgot that like i forget who it is i have a friend who like has interacted with him before and she says that he's the sweetest man in the world but that that intensity is always there i think that's mm-hmm. delaney right delaney knows him
2: maybe could be yeah i think i believe a uh, former uh former daily show writer and co and co-worker of us delaney yeager i believe has met michael shannon and says he's a very intense guy okay so the rest of the cast there's Judy Greer, Flophouse favorite. Everybody loves her. There's Ron Perlman, Flophouse favorite. The one and only Hellboy, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Christina wow, Hendricks, Flophouse. David Barber. Yeah, t- I haven't seen the movie yet. It hasn't come out. Maybe he's great. I
1: thought it was Chris- David Harbour. Harbour, but yeah. But wait, yeah, is he, no, no, is he's he also Harbour. a barber? <laughs> he's the demon <laughs>
2: yeah. barber, because he's Hellboy. So is David Harbour the demon barber? <laughs> yeah. so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Christina Hendricks, Flophouse favorite. Yeah, she's great. From Mad Men, my favorite TV show. Thomas Lennon, a comedy legend. He's in it, too. He's amazing. Ian McShane, acting legend from Deadwood, who I got to work with once on a Daily Show project. There's all these people in it where I'm like, oh, this is going to be – this is such an amazing cast. This is going to be an amazing movie. Was this mm-hmm. an amazing movie, guys? Uh, well, I mean, well, it depends in its own on your <laughs> <The word> amazing. <laughs> now, here's the thing about this movie. This movie uh, – and we'll get to it. I'll give you a forewarning. I'm going to get a little mad at the end because this movie went from – in an instant. At the very end of the movie, it went from very – harmlessly inoffensive to incredibly offensive to me. We'll explain why okay. when we get to it. That's a little te- – I'm billboarding that, that I got very mad at the end of the movie. That's a little teaser. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So let's talk about what happens in this movie. Guys, you know what? Usually – this will give you a hint of what this movie was like. Usually when we do this, these episodes, my notes on a movie can run to six pages, and I'm mm-hmm. crossing stuff out because I have to decide what details are worth talking about. My notes for this movie are three pages long. Hey. And I think I crossed nothing out. And, fill, so. and
1: filled mainly with cartoons of Bigfoot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the a very unconvincing Bigfoot-ish costume. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pottersville. <laughs> it's kind of an independent film with an amazing cast. <laughs> Pottersville is a small town. It's fallen on hard times. The mill uh-huh. closed. All these stores are shuttered. And the center of the town is really Michael Shannon's general store, which has been uh-huh. in the town for 200 or some odd years. And it's just an old-fashioned general store literally with jars of penny candy. Yeah. on the
0: counter. If 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 stores are going to be shuttered in this town, I was thinking that this store would be first among them. Like, <laughs> it really seems to be like the ta- the sort of store that only uh, would be able to survive in a high <laughs> tourism area, which this yeah. town
2: is not. No, it's, it's very it's very vintage. It's like, oh, we can't shut down the Notions store. <laughs> exactly. Let's do the, what you uh,
1: The 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 whole town, despite having fallen on tough times economically. All kind of looks like a LL Bean catalog from the '90s. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, uh, and by that I mean it's all white people.
2: <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, that's true, and, and their clothes look great. Nobody looks like I mean, nobody looks like they've fallen on mm-hmm. hard times. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can afford laundry detergent apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and the other reason that Michael Shannon's store should be out of business is he's so kindly he just lets people take things and owe him money. And he says that he writes their name in a big ledger. I'll get you when you have money. It's okay. I'll uh-huh. get you when you have money. And, and at th-
1: first when he says that, I'm like, oh, he's like a Leland Gaunt. This is a fucking needful things. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's going to come back and steal <laughs> their secrets and wishes. Because
1: <laughs> casting Michael Shannon is one of those things where you're like, uh, you can't fool me. He's a bad guy. <laughs>
2: you're waiting for the other shoe to drop the entire mo- like I was waiting for a post-credit scene where he's just got bloody hands and everyone in town is dead, <laughs> dead around him. <laughs> And he goes, not again, not again, I've done it again. But that didn't happen. Okay, and he works with Judy Greer, who mm-hmm. just works with him, and it's clear that she's got a little bit of a crush on Mikey Shans. Yeah, and I why mean, not? The, the,
1: the sexual tension between the two of them oh, is yeah. so palpable right away. It
2: is, it's like, it's palpable in a real unemotional New England sort of way, where it's like, uh, there's a glance, and you know that if this movie didn't end the way it did, then at some point, 30 years from now, on their deathbeds, they might hold hands, yeah. and, that would be, and, <laughs> yeah. they, and that would be the extent of their passion.
0: This movie obviously sets her up to be the true love interest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yet, up until the moment that they kiss at the very end of the movie (spoilers), there's no I, romantic I like plot really between. Well,
2: them. No, she 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 asks him over for a mo- to go have watch a movie with him at home at one point, and but I think, think she's she- also worried he's going to kill himself at that point because he's so yeah. sad.
1: Do you think that was also a, uh, an attempt by the movie to subvert expectations like casting Michael Shannon to play a normal dude? Did they cast Judy Greer who is often cast as either the best friend or like, I don't know, the shrill ex wife, uh, to cast her in the lead, uh, the romantic lead in this case. Do you think that was the attempt for the movie to like mess with you? Uh, this movie is
2: a real mind fuck of a movie. (laughs) 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 Yeah. That's what I'm trying to go for. It's always subverting expectations. Uh, also in town, Ian McShane. He's a local hunter and drunk, who has his own moonshine and is kind of the villain of the movie. But the movie doesn't seem to realize that. So Michael Shannon, he comes home early from work one day, only to discover that his wife Christina Hendricks is a furry, and which, she's having a which, which they don't really uh, seem to understand what furries are in the movie. Before we get time. to that,
1: I feel like this movie uses that fucking movie shorthand. It uses the movie short. Uh, it uses two bits of movie shorthand that bug me. One is. A guy who's like, "I'm going to go home early" is shorthand for "you're going to find out something bad's yeah. going on."
2: No like, one ever goes home early in a movie and finds that their <laughs> wife is delighted that they're there. You know? <laughs> yep. And uh, and then the other
1: one is the idea of a movie that begins with uh, a man's like wife cheating on him and has the weird fantasy of like his life exploding, like his life and responsibilities exploding around him, and how could he pick himself back up?
2: Well, here's the thing: in real life, people do not ever find out things about their marriages that they don't like. And marriages never fall apart. So it's such a science fiction-y crazy idea that the only way for someone to respond to it in a movie is for their entire life to be shattered and to literally lose their sanity and dress up in a gorilla costume and run around. <laughs> because it's just a thing that's – it's kind of like how uh, – it's like in real – all these movies about aliens, but no one's ever really – encountered an alien if they did their heads would explode similarly there's all these movies about why is
1: elliot winking when he says that thing about no (laughs) one's ever encountered an alien
2: uh well they haven't found us yet oops uh the it's yeah these movies treat it as if when someone's marriage is in trouble one they would never know about it ahead of time it's always a shock and a surprise and which just shows bad communication but also that two the uh that it's like there's no way of there's no way of surviving it without having a, a clear mental break and Dan I guess what I'm dancing around is flophouse listeners know that you uh, had a separation sleep you did not have a mental collapse which led you doing insane crazy things you didn't have like a falling down type scenario you're a regular human being and you were like this is difficult but I you know I have to live through it I mean, if you stop the sentence at
0: mental collapse, uh, I think you might be wrong, but (laughs) But, I did not run around in a uh, Bigfoot costume, as we will find out that Michael Shannon does later on in the movie. To be
2: fair, Dan, you are always kind of on the edge of a mental collapse. That was, that's, you know. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. (laughs) Uh-huh. Well, that was a, uh, that was
1: a real pick-me-up, Ellie. I'm <laughs> yeah,
2: sorry. Uh, I'm just saying that you're, it's a it's a film trope that's not – it's the same way that a woman can have an upset stomach without being pregnant and someone can cough into a handkerchief without dying of, of uh, consumption. Like uh-huh. that's just what happens in the movies. So Michael Shannon's come home. Christina Hendricks is a furry. She likes dressing up as a bunny. She's having uh-huh. a non-sexual affair with Ron Perlman, the town sheriff who dresses like a wolf. There's apparently uh-huh. a furry club and there's nothing – sexual about it, they just like to hang around each other and rub up against each other in furry costumes. Now, here's yeah. the thing.
1: No I, I am not... <laughs> oh, weird. Is that, like, gonna go on a weird soapbox against furries?
2: So, no, well, that's <laughs> the, the thing is that, like, the movie kind of wants to have it both ways, I think, where there's a scene later where it's kind of implied, like, it's okay for them to be furries, but every scene up to that point, furry is just an out-and-out punchline, and it's yeah. not a fetish that I happen to share, but yeah. there are people who have it, and, like, the idea that it's. I guess it's a famous enough fetish that you can make fun of it, but it is not so so well known that it's normalized. But it felt very yeah. icky to me the entire time that it was like seen as. Yeah, super icky. Yeah, the movie. treats no, – The
1: way the movie treats it. Not, the
2: movie, yeah, not the, not the not the fetish itself, which whatever, I don't care. No one's getting hurt, but the way the movie treats it.
0: The movie treats the very existence of furries as a joke in and of itself. Yes, is the problem.
2: Yeah, it and it, it bugs me because it's like make up some silly fetish of your own. Don't use a real thing. Like if it's going to be a joke, make something up so you're not making fun of real people. But uh, yeah. unfortunately,
1: thing, this I think it's – I mean, the the fetish is what is the catalyst for the whole plot of the movie. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's true. Well, maybe they shouldn't have made this movie. I guess is what I'm getting at. But
1: <laughs> whoa, okay. yeah. so, it's also weird. That final if judgments. Gonna,
0: <laughs> I do find it. I do find it strange that if they're going to do this, if they're going to have like this break up the marriage that they make it so very clear that it's non-sexual. Well
2: like, it's like I was wondering who this movie is for because it's like a movie for grown-ups that seems like it is chasing a PG rating cuz yeah. like yeah they at every That's turn, why it landed like, on PG-13. Yeah, I guess you're right. Everyone's favorite rating. Uh <laughs> it's it's like a, it feels like the movie doesn't know what the tone is supposed to be and this is something I want to get at. This is a weird movie, not necessarily plot-wise. The movie plot is there's not a lot of plot in this movie. You could do this movie in 22 minutes probably. But everything about the movie – like the way it's shot and paced and the score, it feels very strange and claustrophobic and artificial. And it's like they think they're making a Coen Brothers movie, uh-huh. but but it doesn't have a sense of life about it. But the score is like a Hallmark movie. It's uh-huh. just like the most cartoonish li- – I think Stuart, yeah, while he was watching, it, texted – Mickey mouse around. Really Mickey mouse up. Stuart texted us and was like, this score is working overtime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like uh, – when you said that
1: the this movie could have been done in twenty two minutes, uh, I think it kind of has wasn't that like the plot of the second episode of The Simpsons?
2: <laughs> yeah, basically that he gets mistaken <laughs> for Bigfoot. Yes, oh, yeah, there's actually more incident in that because they go camping. He gets lost. he gets <laughs> captured by scientists. like uh-huh. there's more in that than there is in this movie. but d- like did the tone of the movie feel like weirdly like everything was in a snow globe packed with uh like foam peanuts to you the same way it did to me, just airless, you know
0: yeah well, I mean, it had I noticed it had a very strange manner of being shot, too. There was a lot of extreme close ups, like, uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> which I think makes it more insulated, like you you say, like insular it, there's just a lot of like tight shots on Michael Shannon's face,
1: yeah, just like uh just like you were never really here <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and like it's not shot poorly. it's just not it's shot in a way that does not serve the material. like it's not right. ugly. But it's like – it feels like someone watched a lot of like Barry Sonnenfeld's movies from the early 90s, late 80s and was like, got it. That's how you shoot a movie but without Mm -hmm. really knowing – while you do it that way in certain times? Okay, but the, here's the important thing. We've danced around it enough. Michael Shannon shattered at his wife's kind of infidelity but really at keeping the secret. Gets well, drunk. And, and more than
1: that, she she says that she thinks they should take a break. Oh,
2: right. She says she's looking for excitement and she can't find it in her, her life with him. The only excitement she has is dressing up like a bunny and just kind of playfully patting the sheriff in a wolf costume. Uh-huh. And so Michael Shannon, as we've mentioned, there's only one response to this. His mind shatters. He gets drunk, puts on a gorilla costume – and then blacks
1: uh-huh. out. Because like, his thinking is, he's like, if she likes patting Ron Perlman, I will make myself look like Ron Perlman.
2: <laughs> yeah. In order to catch a furry, I must become a furry, is what I he mean, says. Th- that's kind of what
1: he, there's, uh, leading up to that, there's a scene of Michael Shannon being uh, drunk, which uh, was a very exciting moment. Because I'm like, <laughs> here's where he's going to snap.
2: <laughs> no, you were hoping for a kind of Nick Cage and Mandy type performance there for Michael Shannon. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think I think this is the most excited he seems in the whole movie.
2: Yeah, I, to say that Michael <laughs> like, Shannon sleepwalks through the movie, I think, is maybe a, a bit of an accurate statement, possibly.
0: Are you suggesting, Stuart, that Michael Shannon took the role because he wanted to run around in a
1: Bigfoot costume? <laughs> I 100% think that's why. Uh, there's... <laughs> This is the closest Michael Shannon gets to that moment that he gets in most movies where – most movies there's at least one scene where it looks like Michael Shannon's eyes are just going to fly out of his head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this is – I mean this happens early on in the movie. So it's, uh, it's a bummer that you have to go through the rest of the movie without that kind of uh, what thunder from Big Trouble in Little China moment.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you got to assume that Michael Shannon has a checklist. He has a bucket list of things he wants to do on this earth. And it's mm. like, OK – Act on the stage, yes. Nominated for an Oscar, yes. Work with Werner Herzog, yes. Run around in a Bigfoot costume. <laughs> Why is no one giving me this opportunity? I yeah. don't understand. Am I going to have to self-finance this project? And then this <laughs> movie comes along. Now, here's the other thing. The gorilla costume is not that furry. It's When you're a furry, I think it's really the plush aspect of it yeah. that really gets people, the softness. This costume looks pretty rough, and I do not think it's going to win over Christina yeah, but I
1: mean, he's he's learning. He's new to the uh, the lifestyle, but he, he you know he wants her back. Yeah, that's I mean,
0: it, the to, to paint a word picture, the, uh, the no no, costum- paint us a real picture, Dan. Use paint. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> I'll have to unpack my easel. But all right, <laughs> okay. Uh, no, it, it <laughs> it's the costume is one of those um, camouflage costumes that's like made to look like sort of swamp moss. And that's what he's wearing on his like body. A, like a ghillie suit? Yeah, I, I don't know what that means. That's what, like, that's what
1: like cool snipers wear. All right, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: like,
2: like Gilly, the Kristen Wiig character on Saturday Night uh-huh. Live.
0: And yep. then, as we said, he's wearing a gorilla mask, which he pulls out of his, I guess, Halloween stock of uh, <laughs> yeah. stuff that he has in his store.
2: It's that period when it's almost Christmas, but there's still some Halloween stuff on sale.
3: Yeah.
0: Because
2: the gorilla masks didn't fly off the shelves the way he thought they would. (laughs) Here's the hint. Here's the hint, Michael Shannon. Stock the whole costume, not just the mask. Nobody wants to go as gorilla basketball dunk mascot every year. I know you think Mm -hmm. that's the best costume. A gorilla mask, (laughs) you got a basketball uniform, and Uh then you jump off of a catapult trampoline, whatever, to do dunks. People love it in the middle of a basketball game. They do not love it on Halloween. Sorry, Michael Shannon. Maybe you think they do.
1: Maybe he was thinking those kids would just put on the mask and put on what, like a, like a button-down shirt and a tie and go as <laughs> Monkey Man and O'Brien?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the K-
1: kids' favorite is- comic book character? <laughs>
2: Which is connected to here because Ron Perlman played Hellboy, and Monkey Man and O'Brien started as a backup series in the original Hellboy miniseries. Stuart, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you've, you've woven a beautiful web of connections here. <laughs> Monkey Man O'Brien, the series that never quite got off the ground, uh, mm-hmm. despite having the amazing art of Art Adams. Guys, can we talk about how amazing Art Adams is?
1: He's great. He manages to do cheesecake artwork that doesn't make you feel totally creepy.
2: (laughs) Not totally, but uh, the fact that it's always a cheesecake woman who's fighting a big monster helps a little bit. That
1: certainly helps, yeah.
2: Okay, so Maynard wakes up to find that the whole town thinks that it saw Bigfoot running around. And he remembers these flashes of running around and drinking out of a fountain in the shape of a little boy peeing. And everyone – yeah. I have to say, this scene goes on bafflingly long. It's like, like the movie does not expect us to put
0: two and two together. Exactly. <laughs> it's a series of close-up of Michael Shannon's face and then like like ten different scenes <laughs> of <laughs> him remembering Bigfoot
1: running around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I yeah mean, it's very it's very Chaz Palminteri at the end of Usual Suspect. Except <laughs>
2: if that went on forever and then he called other people into the room and was like, hold on a second, help me put these pieces together. Wait a sec. And then the text... The text verbal is Kaiser Sose just flashed on the screen over and <laughs> yeah. over again. Uh, the subtext of this
0: movie is Michael Shannon's really stupid. His, wait, mean, his character, the his actor. Character. Uh, his character, I was going to say,
2: that's some weird shade, dude. Yeah, he's clearly not. He's a brilliant man. Okay. Here's my guess. Michael Shannon loves running around in that Bigfoot costume that he kept making them shoot more and more footage of him. And they're like, we've used up so much film <laughs> shooting him as Bigfoot. we got to find a way to use some of it in the movie. We just have so much. And so they kind of tried to yeah. other side of the wind it and use uh-huh. all the footage they could into these, into these choppy moments. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the town is hopping now. Everyone's excited that Bigfoot is here. This could revitalize the town. This could make the town famous. Even Maynard's wife, Christina Hendricks, is really excited because – the implication, I guess, is that she wants to have sex with Bigfoot. Like that's yeah. the, that Bigfoot I mean, is like the ultimate <clears throat> furry because he's furry on the inside as well. Yeah, I mean <laughs> – I <don't laughs> wait, think what? that's I, how anatomy well, works. No, so. that, a human can only be furry on the outside wearing a costume. But on the inside, they're always going to be a human, not an anthropomorphic animal. But oh, Bigfoot, okay. he's an anthropomorphic animal on the inside, at his soul, and also on the outside. So it's like, oh, finally, the ultimate, the alpha and omega.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know that much about squatches, but you're probably right. The yeah.
2: uh, I mean, I think I think more than anything,
1: she. I just only excited. know about
2: butternut squatches. She's just oh she's happy that there's <laughs>
1: excitement in her life and in her town. I mean, I think she even says this is the most exciting thing to happen in our town in ten years. Hey, that's true. I,
0: I just had a flash on like the implication of this, like maybe being that Christina Hendricks uh, is her porn is Harry and the Hendersons. Like, <laughs> yeah.
2: she, I'm sure it is of, for somebody, Dan.
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. It's got John Lithgow now. I mean, come on.
2: <laughs> it doesn't get sexier than that. That's why everybody loves that. Uh, that. Uh, that. Uh, oh, what's that movie you made with Brian De Palma? Uh, Raising uh, Kane. Raising Kane. Kane. Raisin Kane. Thank you. That's why Raising Kane is people think is so sexy. Mm-hmm. And you see all those those women dressing up in sexy Doctor Lizardo costumes on Halloween. Yeah.
1: I mean. My love of Raising Cane certainly is why I often frequent Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers uh, for a chain restaurant whenever <laughs> I'm in the Midwest.
0: I thought yeah. you were going to say Raising Cane convic- Conventions.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Cane yeah, Con? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you guys going to be at Cane Con this year or mm-hmm. are you going to sit it out this time?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, and I'll show up with my copy of uh, Cane by Gene Toomer and uh, try and get it autographed by like Brenda Palmer.
0: Uh, imagine that at cane Con, like 90% of the people are there thinking it's a Citizen Cane convention and everyone else has to explain them like, no, 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 no. This is Raising Cane convention. Actually,
2: the thing is 90% of them are there thinking it is a, an industry convention for makers of canes. So you've oh, got okay. elderly people, you've got cane manufacturers, you've got candy cane companies, but uh-huh. – the big thing is always when John Lithgow gives his state of the industry speech mm-hmm. at the end of yeah. it, where he talks about how the cane industry, meaning Raising Cane, is doing. And he talks about not a lot of Raising Cane remakes this year. Haven't rebooted yeah. Raising Cane yet. Yeah. <laughs> and he just go he always the big yeah. moment at the end when he announces that year's DVD sales for Raising Cane. People <laughs> love it. <laughs> Oh, KaneCon is fun. You should go to KaneCon. It's in Richmond, Indiana, right right by Earlham College. (laughs) Uh, If you're staying there, do not expect a quick breakfast at the Holiday Inn. Let's just say that. Oh, wow.
0: This is is a little inside talk from our trip to Earlham where we did a live show just recently hmm We had okay, the guys. slowest breakfast ever. That's the that's the background.
2: That's the mm-hmm. background. Is uh if you've ever been to a holiday and ordered breakfast and then you've waited so long for the food that the restaurant has closed before it is <laughs> delivered to you. Yeah. That's the experience. I, mean, we I had. think
1: I think you're being charitable by calling it a restaurant, Elliot. I feel like it was a lobby.
2: <laughs> yeah. Good one. Uh, well, but and what we needed I mean, what we needed was taken- a real It may have taken forever
1: for our food to show up, but at least they were out of all the things we wanted to order.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Good point. Of the three things left, it took them a while to really perfect them. Okay, so this town is famous now. The name of the town, Pottersville. I almost forgot it, but it's the name of the movie. It's not (laughs)
1: Forgottersville. No.
2: uh, A famous TV monster hunter, Brock, what what was his name, Brock uh, Masterson or something like Mm -hmm. that? he's played by Thomas Lennon. He's an, uh-huh. he's Australian and he's a real prima donna. We soon learn that he's not really Australian. He's just pretending. And this is at at, at start he helicopters into town and sees he's going to catch this squatch. Now mm-hmm. at first this is a strangely understated performance for Thomas Lennon, a man who has done some large performances in the past in various, <laughs> you know, various <laughs> mediums. You know, this is this is Mr. LePan. This but at first he's very and what I realized is like Oh, he realizes he has to get bigger throughout the movie and he's being a professional about it. And I mm-hmm. really I was I was impressed by Thomas Lennon's uh, devotion to this part. Yeah. Uh, I do
0: want to say before we go too far away from it, uh I think this movie really overestimates the amount of re- revitalization someone seeing Bigfoot would uh, bring to a town.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like there is so much Bigfoot tourism all of a sudden. And you, this, uh, there's a this, moment where these guys are selling Bigfoot merchandise and they're like, "Did you know Bigfoot exists in every culture, in every language, and it's uh-huh. and they say it a couple times in the movie, and it's like there's no <clears throat> damn way that that is true. LA, <laughs> every LA, language, you... <laughs> and every culture has a Bigfoot. Come LA, on, d-
1: did you know that the fifth element is Bigfoot?
2: <laughs> oh, I had no idea. Oh wow, yeah. did you guys? Did you know Kaiser Soze? Bigfoot.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, there was some foot related stuff with Kaiser Soze, so that would make sense.
2: That's true. Yeah. Did you know? Uh, at the end, came when he says Rosebud. What he was um, actually saying was "Rose Bigfoot." Oh, okay, yeah. Because yeah, he was you gotta about his, you
1: gotta slow it down, like uh, like uh, mumbles or whatever, in uh, in Dick Tracy to figure <laughs> that one out. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Play it backwards; it's backwards masked. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, the town is instantly revitalized. There's lots of people. It gets the attention of this guy. Now, I'm just going to say this right now: Thomas Lennon is playing the exact same character James Corden plays in Smallfoot. A <laughs> a fakie TV nature hunter who thanks, wants to
1: – Thanks for a reference I will not understand at
2: all. <laughs> this is for this is for the parents in the audience is that both of them are television hosts who will want to fake an experience with Bigfoot in order to get ratings and save their career. And uh, it works a little better here than in Smallfoot. I'm just going to say that. And I think maybe the reason is because Thomas Lennon – never sings a parody of Under Pressure that's all about how his ratings are down and he Uh, needs to find a Bigfoot to save his career. Kids love that. Kids love Under Pressure and they love talk about TV ratings and people's careers in an industry they don't care that much about, even though they love watching TV. Okay, but guys. (coughs) So this is
1: a relatively short movie and I feel like this is the point where they must have just realized like, Oh, we need to fill this. Let's just mainly fill, like Michael Shannon's not the main character anymore. The main character is now <laughs> Thomas. Yeah, Lyon's yeah this is Michael when I te- Shannon. Te- this like this. Elliot. I texted the guys and I was like, "Who's the protagonist of this movie?" <laughs> yeah.
0: Because he, yeah, he's gone for the whole middle section.
2: <laughs> Not the <laughs> whole middle section. Every now and then they check on, on him and Judy Greer, and Judy Greer's like, "Hey, you okay?" And Michael Shannon's like, "I'm fine." And okay. then they go back to Thomas Lennon. Yeah. And, so first, Thomas Lennon and the cops they go and the t- the whole town they go to hunt for Bigfoot. They find a dead deer, and Thomas mm-hmm. Lennon is like, "Oh, Bigfoot killed this deer." And then he uh, plays a, a Yeti hunting song. On his acoustic guitar, he dedicates <laughs> to Nelson Mandela. This is the this is a part in the movie where I was genuinely like, okay, I'm laughing at this part. <laughs> that he's like, I did write a song about it, and everyone in the town loves him. And he's like, I yeah. want to dedicate this song to Nelson Mandela, and then gets choked up mm-hmm. and then plays this dumb song about Yetis. And Ian McShane interrupts by parodying Quint in Jaws, scratching his fingers on a chalkboard, and says, Hey, if we want to be really famous, we can't just see Bigfoot. We've got to catch Bigfoot. Which I kind of assumed was what Thomas Lennon was gonna do anyway. I don't know what yeah. he's adding to that, but uh, they say they got. Uh, he says, "Well, we'll think about it." Thomas Lennon goes to shoot his show in the woods in a scene that goes on forever, and they're trying to fake a bigfoot encounter. And then Michael Shannon runs out in his costume and scares everybody. Uh-huh.
1: Now this this scene features, uh, you know, the the film crew working on the show, and I just want to point out that one of my bartenders, Mickey, auditioned for one of those roles. Really, <laughs> and, he, and he didn't get it. Oh, how much better this movie would have been if Mickey had been one of those dudes.
2: <laughs> uh, uh Tom Lennon, he want now I want to hear have like an I was there too type interview with him about the audition process for Pottersville. Uh-huh. <laughs> did <laughs> yeah. he read with Michael Shannon? Like how did, how did it happen?
1: Didn't uh, I don't I didn't get that any information about that. But they did he did have to react to Bigfoot pictures of Bigfoot over and over. <laughs> <laughs> react
0: to this. like i'm mean, now i'm just imagining like people like with big flashcards and being like
2: Blah!
1: what do you think of this
0: it's a big foot
2: okay we need a bigger reaction it's a big foot give me a reaction as big as his foot and go uh anyway the ultimate thing that happens is thomas lennon he he wants to leave because he's scared of bigfoot oh it's real i saw i saw what looked like a man in a gorilla suit run right by me it means bigfoot is real i gotta get out of here but the producer says, "No, this could save your career if you catch Bigfoot. You're going to team up with Ian McShane, and you know what? Sheriff Ron Perlman wants to come along too. And then most of the movie at this point is just him hanging out in the woods, kind of getting to know each other and bonding mm-hmm. over their moonshine liquor. Uh, mm-hmm. To and just kind of culture clash between this prima donna city slicker Thomas Lennon and this backwoodsman Ian McShane. And yeah, Michael Shannon. At a certain point, you're like, did he, like, did he have another commitment?" And they, he had to go make nocturnal animals, and they had to write around <laughs> yeah. him. Like, what yeah. happened? Yeah. Now, guys. Yeah.
1: So, and so much of this at this point is like, is Thomas Len's character doing silly things, and everybody just kind of like making fun of him for it? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. It just doesn't, it's not funny. No. It's I mean, like it's like every Saturday night live sketch where you just have one character who's wacky and everybody else like comments on it. It's like,
0: like, Why is he is doing trying that? Trying desperately to enliven this. Like he's got his big silly Australian accent on and he's 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 and, yelping and running around. And his and,
1: plan is to capture Bigfoot. <laughs> okay, I'm just yeah. laying this all out. He's gonna capture Bigfoot. This will save his career and then he will no longer have to be Brock Masterson, Australian guy, and then he can go back to making movies.
2: It's a little unclear how he's going to gracefully exit the persona of Brock Masterson Mm -hmm. and go back to his real life and and do, I mean, it might just be he continues to be Brock, but he's Brock as an actor now, but it is, the he is saying like, oh, I'll catch Bigfoot and then I can stop doing this show, which is not really how Hollywood works. Once you've had a big success, they want you to keep doing that again. So like, if he the the worst thing he could do is catch bigfoot because then and, everyone would be like oh, do it again get nessie catch nessie now
1: and people would really like it when and people really like it when you uh like pull the wool over their eyes like that. I mean, I guess this is effectively like an Ali G, Sasha Baron Cohen type thing maybe <laughs> if, if he spun it right. If I th- I feel like that would be the right way to spin it and not like a what? I'm Still Here, Walking Phoenix type thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was well, that's clearly the wrong way to spin it since it really hurt his career for a long time. Uh but he's recovered from it, Joaquin Phoenix and yeah. you know, and the director of I'm Still Here, KCF like, oh, people love him. He's oh, okay. really popular. The, the Academy Award winning actor LA that is, is uh, not mentioned in
1: ads for his movies.
2: Oh yeah, the Academy Award winning actor that is, uh, seems to, uh, it seems, it's, well, let's not get into it. It's like, that it, it, he's one of these guys where it's like, hmm, well, I, I guess we'll just allow it and we'll just not like him very much. And we'll just allow him to get away with things. But anyway, yeah. let's not, we don't have to talk about that. Look, I, I work in this industry. I don't want to hurt my career. Let's yeah. keep talking about Bigfoot <laughs> and this, let's talk about this movie that we're punching down on. Because the people who made it haven't made that much other stuff. Okay. So, uh, Bigfoot fever, Uh uh-oh, at this point, it's starting to tear the town apart. Everyone is so hungry for fame that they've forgotten what the important thing is about Pottersville, which is ripping off Michael Shannon's store by taking things (laughs) and never paying him. That's what really holds this town together. And Michael Shannon starts to worry what's going to happen to him if he gets found out. And Judy Greer finds his gorilla costume, since he's hidden it in the one bag in his store. (laughs) She starts to worry about him. Uh Uh-oh. Uh, there's a lot of fighting, blah blah blah. And, and there's a lot of hunting, and, and she's one she's one of revealed of at this point
1: that she is not a fan of the the idea that somebody is dressing up as Bigfoot, like that I she think thinks that that's
2: yeah. Like she she she, she, uh, she <laughs> uh, uh, what are you gonna say, Stuart?
1: Uh, she just said she clearly I uh, under she seems to be the only person who understands that this is just somebody in a costume, not an actual Bigfoot creature.
2: Yes. And,
1: and that she is ready for this Bigfoot shenanigans to be over. And My by guess the way... He,
2: I think she's the only person in town who does not have a gas leak in her house. <laughs> <left> her <laughs> very open to this. Dan, what are you saying? By the way, what?
0: By the way, we kind of glossed over this, but Michael Shannon seemed to grasp the advantage of having a Bigfoot in the town very quickly because almost, like, almost immediately he decided to continue going out as Bigfoot, even though, like, the first time was just a mental breakdown, but the second time, like, he made a decision to go out as Bigfoot again. Well, that's the thing. I feel like it's pretty unmotivated, actually, in the movie. No, I
2: don't know. That's his character choice, because he thinks that this is a way he could get his wife interested in going back to her normal life. It's Uh like, first it's a mistake, then he goes, well, maybe this will help me get my wife back, and then he's in too deep. Oh, man. He thought it would be just one last Bigfoot, Mm -hmm. but... You can never, and then he's out of the game. He's out of the he's out of the squatch game. But no, no, no. He's in too deep and he's got to keep going.
1: I was really hoping there'd be scenes where Michael Shannon is like wrestling with the two sides of his identity at this point. Like
2: And it's and it's where illustrated does the by man, him wrestling yeah, with Yeah, where Big does Foot? the
1: Shannon end and where does the squatch begin? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. Guys, the lesson in this movie, you start by playing Bigfoot, but it always ends with Bigfoot playing you.
1: Oh wow! I, I didn't know that. <laughs> that's you some miss, uh, knowledge. You, you miss. Uh, you miss a hundred percent of the Bigfoots you don't take.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to be Bigfoot to work here, but it helps. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. Look, God, God put me on Earth to do a, a, uh, for a specific number of Bigfoots. At this rate, I'll never die. <laughs> <laughs> that was
0: when Bigfoot was carrying you.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, that's why those, those footprints in the sand were so big, guys. Hey. Hang I came in here there to, I, and it's
2: bigfoot hanging from a branch
1: Guys, I came here to kick ass and chew bubble gum and I'm all out of bigfoot
2: <laughs> hey guys welcome to Bigfoot Park <laughs> all right you know you know the troubles of a bigfoot don't amount to a hill of bigfoots in this world <laughs> this, this is, is my the new favorite game of a beautiful bigfoot <laughs> now you're probably asking yourself did I shoot six bigfoots or only five well with all the bigfoots I kind of lost count of my bigfoots so ask yourself, Do you feel lucky Bigfoot? Well do ya? <laughs> We're going to need a bigger foot, et cetera. (laughs) So so the hunters think they found, I guess, a collection of Bigfoots or possibly aliens dropping off Bigfoot as a prisoner on Earth, the prison planet. This is a theory that Thomas Lennon floats at one point. I
1: I was kind of (laughs) into
2: I was kind of hoping that would be this. But it turns out it's just a convention of furries that are there to welcome Bigfoot in what actually, to be honest, looks like a, a ridiculously pleasant winter carnival. Like yeah. they've strung lights in the trees. There's this warm glow about everything. They're having a great time just kind of dancing. Uh-huh. I was like, and, Oh, this and, looks like really fun
1: until Ian McShane starts pointing a Luger at people. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. where did you get that gun? Is that, <laughs> yeah. is that part of your weird world war II memorabilia collection?
2: Uh, Ron Perlman and Thomas Lennon, they fall into it. I mean, Ron Perlman's already a furry. Thomas Lennon's into it, but McShane is like, get out of here. Points that gun at them. Get out. We're going to catch this squatch. And, uh, Michael Shannon goes out in his costume and Ian McShane is about to shoot him with that real gun, and then Uh-oh. Thomas Lennon shoots him with a trank dart first, Ugh, saving his life. They they strap him to the front of a car and drive him into the center of town. And mm-hmm. Thomas Lennon gives a speech where he's like, I've made the greatest discovery in human history, which is overblowing it slightly even if it was a real Bigfoot. Like <laughs> sure. Like yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say that it would not really change human civilization that much to find Bigfoots. So people would be like, Oh, that's cool, and they'd go about their lives. It I don't think it'd be that exciting, but uh mm-hmm. Judy Greer unmasks Maynard in front of everybody. And it's almost like Clark Kent with his glasses where it's like, how do people not see this as a man in a gorilla costume? It's so clearly yeah, I mean, a mask. They they trust him up.
1: Like, they had to get really close to him to tie him up and put him <laughs> in the back of that.
2: <laughs> yeah, you have to imagine they would see the seams. They'd see the part where the mask separates from the neck of the costume and you can see Michael Shannon's white skin and ha- and his brown hair underneath mm-hmm. it, and they'd be like, "Oh, this Bigfoot's got some weird skin condition, I guess, that his skin is comes <laughs> off in segments, and then there's another person's <laughs> skin underneath. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, the Bigfoot has a weird thing where his hands look like big gloves that don't attach to the sleeves of his arms. And mm-hmm. underneath you just see, I guess that's the white of fat. That's the blubber he uses to keep warm in the winter, since uh-huh. his thick hair is not quite enough in the coldest of the winter nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, Bigfoot, uh-huh. everybody. Now you may you may smell uh, high karate on him. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> that's actually natural Bigfoot musk. That is uh-huh. not a cologne. And yep. uh, you may notice that he has a copy of uh, Forbes magazine in his back pocket. Oh, now wow, a lot of people don't reader. know that Sasquatches have a natural pocket in their mm-hmm. back uh, the back of their rear and also that they love to read <laughs> Forbes because <laughs> they want to know who the wealthiest people in the world are the sasquatch yeah. they have an interest in capitalism of course as we all know sure. now you may also realize that he is wearing a uh, he's wearing a Kansas City Royals cap on his head that's uh-huh. natural sasquatch behavior sasquatches they lo- love baseball but they love local teams and even uh-huh. though we're not yeah. close to Kansas City they uh-huh. like the Kansas City Royals have a big following in Kansas City and not too many other places uh-huh, except with are yeah. Kansas City transplants. Now, you'll notice also oh, that boy. he is holding a toothbrush uh-huh. and he's sticking the toothbrush into his neck to get at a mouth that is inside of his face. It's not because <laughs> it's a person wearing a mask. It's because that's how you get to a Sasquatch's teeth is through their trachea. It's the only way you can brush yep. his teeth. And yes, question from the back, I know what you're mm-hmm. going to ask. Yes, Sasquatches know how to brush their teeth. Dental care is very important, as we all know, yep. because they yep. eat uh, deer, that, uh-huh. we, that they kill in the woods, as we've seen earlier. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, another question about Sasquatch. You're wondering uh-huh. why he's wearing a shirt that says this isn't a beer belly, it's a gas tank for a sex machine. <laughs> yes, well, Sasquatches, as we know, have a great sense of humor and often spend time in Fort Lauderdale during spring break. That explains that. Thank you, clearly the Sasquatch. Went somewhere else and bought some tourism souvenirs. We got great tourism souvenirs in the Sasquatch store over at Maynard's oh, okay. uh, General Store. Hey, we haven't seen Maynard in a while. I wonder where he is. You know what? He's about the same height as the Sasquatch. That's kind of weird. Anyway, uh, and the sasquatch was kind of moaning in a way that sounded like maynard's voice but without moving his lips again the mouth <laughs> and the side of his head he has two mouths like an alien uh th- we had a theory that he was a, an alien that was dropped here as a prisoner of a sort we're not sure about that we'll ask him when he wakes up since we know he can speak english since he was mo- he was moaning something that sounded oh, yeah. like I'm maynard let me go but <laughs> yeah, who knows the,
0: this isn't the Ziggy pitch you don't
2: have
0: to <laughs> fill up 17 minutes of yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, maybe look, maybe
2: movie-
1: gawker will pick this bit up
2: Look, the movie's almost over. Greer unmasks Maynard – Judy Greer unmasks Maynard uh, Uh and Shannon. Everyone is angry at Michael Shannon. Thomas Lennon sues the town for fraud. He's so mad. And all the townspeople are mad at Michael Shannon because he fooled them. And Judy Uh Greer says, hey, his store is the center of our town. And you know what? Let's look at this ledger where he wrote down everyone's names so that they could pay him back. The ledger is empty. He was never going to ask them to pay it back. He was doing just doing it from the kindness of his strange hitman in disguise heart. Uh, <laughs> and, and then Maynard goes on live TV and is interviewed about it and talks about it. he just wanted to help the town and give people hope. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. And the and there's a reporter who appears a couple times, and the joke is just that she has a Latin name that she says with an accent. Yes. And it's one of these things where it's like, mm, this is not really a joke. Uh, yeah. It's kind of weird to yeah. keep hitting this so hard. Everyone apologizes to Maynard. In a real ripoff of the scene from "It's a Wonderful Life," Ron Perlman, yeah. I think, even says, "Here's DeMeyer, the richest man in town," and people are like, "It's a Christmas miracle! Oh, it's great." This is the only he-
3: reason
0: why this place is called Potter'sville, I guess, is because they reenact this "It's a Wonderful Life" thing, even though Potter'sville was the evil version of of that town. What well,
2: makes me wonder is this set in the in the it, Potter'sville universe, where yeah. where uh, where. George Bailey did kill himself, didn't? Never, was never born or di- or died yeah. when he was a kid, and it turned to Evil Pottersville. Did that evolve into this town? Because then I kind of yeah, think it's yeah. Well, so what is it? What happened? <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, it's the same universe, uh, guys. Got I, gotta, I gotta I gotta admit Potter something. up in City Hall,
1: guys. <laughs> I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life. Now I'm oh, so assuming I'm assuming it is n- the name is. Like uh, like sarcastic, right? It's like Born uh, of the USA or something.
2: <laughs> I mean for, for much of the movie it kind of is. Most of the movie is about how George Bailey's life did not live up to his hopes for it. Uh-huh. And he's had to really compromise. And then at the end it's like, no, I do like these things and I'm important. Without me the world would fall apart. So I'll carry these these disappointments. I'll carry them on my shoulders like my own cross and I'll uh-huh. suffer and I'll allow the world to, uh, to scourge uh-huh. me so that it can live on and be better. Uh, and at the end everyone's happy. But it's kind of a dark movie for a lot of it. But – it makes me wonder, is the movie even darker? Is all the stuff at the end where George Bailey is like, Merry Christmas, you wonderful old savings and loan, is that all going through his mind as he drowns after jumping off the bridge? And yeah, actually yeah. his life was <laughs> it's like, yeah. like, oh, that's all, that's all just what he – it's a real Owl Creek Bridge type thing mm-hmm, where yep. uh, all that stuff is just his last moments of fantasy. But uh-huh. in reality, in real life, what happened next was George Bailey's body was fished out of the river at Bedford Falls. And mm-hmm. Potter took over the town leading to Pottersville starring Michael Shannon <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, no. leaving the town uniquely susceptible to a fake Bigfooting.
0: <laughs> so George so, Bailey's life really was important because yeah, uh, without I, him we got this movie. Yeah.
2: You got to, there's a different version of this called Bedford Falls where Bigfoot's running around and people are like, Bigfoot, Bigfoot. And elderly Jimmy Stewart is like, will you open your damn eyes? It's clearly Maynard in a costume. Come on. <laughs> well, well, well I, can't, I can't believe how you're so excited about this Bigfoot. Anyway, Christina Hendricks, now, she's really turned on by Maynard's importance to the community. And she's excited. And she's like, hey, maybe we can get back together and you can put on that gorilla costume again. And Maynard says, no, I don't think we're right. I think we should split up. And then he asks out Judy Greer. He says, hey, Mm -hmm. should we still have that movie at your house? Because earlier Mm -hmm. on she was like, want to have a movie at my house? We can make popcorn. And it's so clear that she's saying, like, you should come to my house so we could do it. By the way,
0: the scene where where Maynard rejects Christina Hendricks' character – is like it happens like right after everyone's like, You're the richest man in town, and they're all just still standing around. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, and it feels like
0: the most awkward thing to me. I was <laughs> like, I'm gonna break off our marriage while everyone in town looks on.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, they were gonna uh, find out about it eventually, right? It's yeah. a small town, but you're right, it is. Uh, it's weird that he doesn't say, Hey, let's step into the back room or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: no, he wants to publicly shame her.
2: And now here's the moment where okay, this movie I haven't loved it, I found it a little weird, I found the furry joke stuff off-putting yeah here's where the movie made me really angry in just like a sentence is they go uh there's a tv report and it says like uh thomas lennon you know uh brock masterson or brock whatever his name is brock's lawsuit has been dropped as it turns out it's been revealed he is not australia he's actually actor lenny abramowitz from coney island right and they fire him and it was like Oh, and and he's and now he's fired from his job, and he's an exile from. He's a he's a fraud himself, and it was like, oh, I get it, because he's fucking Jewish. That's what it is. He's Lenny Abramowitz from Coney Island. So he's a stupid New York Jew who thought he could fool all these good-hearted Christians, kick yeah. him out, burn him at the stake. And it made me so mad. I got so yeah. mad. And, and I know that they were probably just like Lenny Abramowitz is a funny name. Like let's do that. But it was like <laughs> yeah. the imp- this became a Christmas movie in the most hateful way in one sentence where it was like we love it. Christmas is great. We're all pals. This is wonderful. Get this Jew out of here. Get this idiot – get this asshole lying Jew who tried to cheat all of us out of here. This New York Jew, get him out. And I was like, movie, I hate you now. It was like I had never turned on a movie so quickly since the movie Hell in the Pacific, which is a great movie until the very end when it just kind of craps out and stops. But Uh this – I like – I was like, you know what, movie? I don't particularly like you, but you're not hurting me in any way. And then Mm -hmm. they were like, Lenny Abramowitz from Coney Island. And the guy goes, that doesn't sound like an Australian name. And it's like, fuck you, dude. There's Jews in Australia. Like, go to hell. He could be Australian asshole. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the swearing. Dan, put an explicit language warning on this one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But it yeah, just made me so
0: mad. Nearly 300 episodes. I <laughs> <finally>.
1: <laughs> Please. Yeah, yeah so, and so I mean, Elliot. But don't worry. Thomas Lennon's character also gets choked out by a security guard in that same sequence. Oh <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, once once it's clear that he's once it's clear that he's Jewish. Like he's since he's less than human, just beat him up, throw him away. <laughs> oh, it just made me so mad. It was like. And it's just—it's one of those things where I'm sure they did not mean to to be like this guy's Jewish, kick him out of our Christmas movie. But it just shows how like it's similar with the furry thing. It's They're super, like this furry
1: stuff, super thoughtless.
2: Yeah, it's thoughtless. This furry stuff will be funny. Oh, you know what? We'll give him a silly Jewish name and then we'll beat him up. And it's like, oh, come on, think about what you're doing, dudes. Especially in like a Christmas movie. Look, guys, maybe I'm just sensitive because I'm already getting ready for that time of year when I have to deal with everyone else's Christmas junk. And I'm uh-huh. going to have my son asking me Christmas questions I don't want to deal with, as we mentioned in in previous episodes. We went uh-huh. to a thing uh, yesterday in LA uh-huh. called the Elves Fair. And I was like, uh, oh, uh, I don't want to go to this. But it turns out it was like a, uh, it's like a Renfest type thing. So oh, cool, it, was, cool. it was actually so it's really like, like Legoluses.
1: It was what? It was like a bunch of Legoluses. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Tons of Legoluses. But they did have one kind of like. And 80s. Sammy's like, Dad,
1: Dada, Dada. Can you buy me some lembus bread? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, no, if you eat that shit, you won't have uh, room for dinner. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it's they did have one guy who's kind of like a medieval medievally uh. pagany kind of like nature Santa Claus. And I was like, Sammy, we are not walking over to that mm-hmm. guy. Forget it. If he called himself Merlin, yes, let's talk to him. Uh-huh. Give him a hundred tickets. Each ticket costs me a dollar, but sure, give him 10 tickets just to talk to him so he can give you a present that would I could buy you in the store for $1.50. But yes, talk to him. But if he calls himself Santa Claus, Get out of here! We're not doing this. But uh, it's maybe that's why I'm just sensitive about it, guys. Because I know I'm entering cr- the Christmas corridor of the year. Uh-huh, yeah. like, mm-hmm. oh, just you're you're me so you're, mad.
1: Brace, you're bracing for that stuff.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'm ultra sensitive to it right now, like a like a particularly thin condom. So anyway, <laughs> the, uh, I've often uh,
0: said you're like a particularly thin condom.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, guys, aside from that one Jew who was rightfully kicked out of the public square <laughs> and exiled from the community, sent back to Coney Island where he belongs, look, go sell uh-huh. some cheesecake to somebody. Uh, the town opens a Bigfoot museum and the and Judy Greer kiss. And then I think it's implied that they hear a real Bigfoot roar at the end. But I yeah. couldn't quite figure out what the sound effect was. I had to literally rewind to watch it again because in the, yeah. the background you hear kind of like. Ah and they look <laughs> off to the side with surprised looks on their faces and then it cuts to credits and I was like I I like I know from filmic grammar that yeah. the that the joke is maybe there is a real bigfoot but it's done in such a half-assed yep. way that I was like did someone slip and fall cuz it's getting icy out like what happened
0: Yeah it's it's as abrupt a cut as the end of an American Werewolf in London like yeah. it just Boom, credits. Yeah. (laughs) There's no moment where they like look at each other, like, did you hear that?
1: Uh huh. They didn't go, here we go again. Yeah. And then put on baseball caps. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think, I I think they were going for, I think Pottersville was going for like end of the Sopranos type thing.
2: Oh, I see. I get it. That's why they're playing Don't Stop Believing at the same time. I understand. Uh Yeah. All right. So, guys, we've,
0: we've, we've gone surprisingly long, uh, considering that, uh, do we go longer than the movie yet?
2: Not no, this not time. Yet, okay, let's fill time. it up. I'm sure the episode uh, will be, but but we should
0: do our final judgments. Mm-hmm. Um, is this a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie you kind of like? Uh, I'm gonna go to Stuart What do you have to say?
1: Oh, uh, I'm gonna go to Elliot.
2: Oh, okay. what's Elliot gonna say? Gonna um, well, I think it's time for a dan-ogram. <laughs>
0: Uh Okay, I guess I'll start then. Um, I don't know. This is a this is a weird one. It, it sags a lot in the middle. Uh, like a lot, a lot. Um, it just, I'm not in, entertained at all by the Thomas Lennon character's antics, and I'm just confused by why the movie sort of grinds to a halt there. So it's its pretty bad, but at the same time, I kind of enjoyed watching it because it was so baffling, baffling and strange, and I don't know. I don't know who thought this plot was great, let alone why all these great actors decide, decided to sign on. So I, I'll give it a marginal good, bad, I guess.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like the first 15 minutes, I got kind of excited for what seemed to be like a fun, good, bad movie. And then it just kept dra- like it's so monotonous yeah. and it it just didn't do it like it. I I don't think this is a fun one to watch with people.
2: <laughs> yeah, it kind of it has it it has that promise in the beginning. I had the same experience you guys were had. Where in the beginning I was like, okay, this is gonna be weird. This is gonna be and I but I didn't and I didn't find it that unpleasant. But then it it just. Kept it. Then it, yeah, it really started to, for in a movie that's less than an hour and a half long. It really drags. And then at the end, they just decided to flip the bird to my heritage and uh, mm-hmm. and my, my faith. So I didn't like that part. But yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but there were times in the beginning of the movie where I'm like, you know what, I could see this becoming almost a movie I kind of like, and it just didn't. It's almost, I'm almost more the disappointment from that from it not fulfilling that. I'm going to make it bad, bad. But okay. it's one of those movies where, like, honestly. I could see you watching this with an elderly member of your family on Christmas uh, when you've run out of things to talk about, uh-huh. and everything would be fine.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know? Yeah. As long as, as long as they were, you didn't have to answer too many questions about furries afterwards. <laughs>
1: Hey, if you like your podcast to be focused and well researched, and your podcast hosts to be uncharismatic, unhorny strangers who have no interest in horses, then this is not the podcast for you. Again, yeah,
3: what's your deal?
2: <laughs> I'm Emily. I'm Lisa. Our show's called Baby Geniuses. And its hosts are horny adult idiots. We discover weird Wikipedia pages every episode. We discuss institutional misogyny. We ask each other the dumbest questions, and our listeners won't stop sending us pictures of their butts. We haven't asked them to stop, but they also aren't stopping. Join us on Baby Geniuses every other week on MaximumFun.org.
1: I'm Bailiff Jesse Thorne, and I'm Judge John Hodgman. If you live on the West Coast of North America, we're coming your way. That's right, Judge John Hodgman is taking justice to the West Coast on tour. Starting where? Where? Vancouver, British Columbia, January 15th, then to Seattle, Washington on the 16th, Portland, Oregon on the 17th, San Francisco, California on the 18th, and Los Angeles, California, the City of Angels, on January 22nd. Tickets are on sale now. You can find links to all of the shows at MaximumFun.org.
0: And if you're going to be in one of those cities and you have a dispute, we can try on stage.
1: Send it to us. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO or email Hodgman at MaximumFun.org. I'm ready to judge you on the road. Take that, Jack Kerouac, author of On the Road.
0: Hey guys, it's Dan with a solo ad read. Now listen to me. I just spent five minutes recording a solo ad read into the wrong microphone. That's right. I was sitting here, yammering to myself to one of two microphones, the wrong one, the one that was not optimized on my digital recorder. So that's work out the window, and you're going to get a less good solo ad read because of it. I had a whole theme song that I started with. I talked about coffee for no reason. It was a, it was a beautiful thing. Um, and now, it's lost to the winds. Oh, oh, the things I've seen. Death ships off the coast of whatever. Just like Blade Runner. I don't know. I don't know that if, if Elliot or still were here, they could recite the whole fucking monologue. But I'm not that guy. I'm the guy who's sitting here angrily uh, kicking himself because he just... Did <laughs> the stupidest thing possible, and talked into the wrong microphone. Yes, how does it happen? I don't know, but uh, apparently I should have had the coffee earlier. And the solo ad read, ah. Anyway, let's uh, let's take my bitterness and fuel it into commerce. Um, listen, you know what's not smart. Job boards that overwhelm you with tons of the wrong resumes. Oh, so many bad resumes. I'm drowning in bad resumes. They're attacking me like they're the blob, and I'm a thing that the blob eats. But luckily, there's a smarter way to hire at ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology finds the right people for you and actively invites them to apply. Now, I know what you're thinking. What if ZipRecruiter invites a vampire to uh, apply? Because if a vampire isn't invited to apply, it won't apply for your job. That's just the way vampires work. Now, I'm sure that ZipRecruiter has some sort of mechanism to filter out vampires. I haven't talked to them about this, but uh, you know if they're compliant with all local rules and regulations, I'm sure that that's not a problem. Uh, look, it's no, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. This rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews, and right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Flophouse. If you love this show, show your support to it and to ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash F-L-O-P-H-O-U-S-E, Flophouse.
3: <sighs>
0: Guys, can you feel it? I'm faking it. I'm faking the energy. I had it before. It was a, it was a thing of beauty. It was a it was a joy forever, you know. These things are uh, like uh, usually an organic descent into madness. Now I'm pushing the madness. Now I'm I'm forcing the madness through me. The madness is being pulled out of me with forceps, and I can't I can't do it. Let me let me get some more of this coffee. Ah, that's what people like to hear, right? Slurping. People tune into podcasts for for slurping coffee fully let's talk about squarespace shall we with squarespace you can create a beautiful website to sell products and services of all kinds promote your physical or online business announce an upcoming event or special project and much much more what else who knows what do people do on the internet anyway aside from put out stupid podcasts? what i don't know you figure it out, all right? Why are you ask, Why are you coming to ask me what to do with your Squarespace site? You figure it out, okay? Jesus, like I don't have enough problems. I'm Dan McCoy. You know I've got problems. Squarespace does all this thing. This blah blah blah. blah. Squarespace does the things that I said before by giving you. Beautiful customizable templates created by world-class designers, powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything online, analytics that help you grow in real time, built-in search engine optimization, nothing to patch or upgrade ever, 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 and 24-7 award-winning customer support. Make it stand out with a beautiful website from Squarespace. Head to squarespace.com slash flop for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code flop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Now, come on, guys. Uh, here's here's a thing. Here's a, here's another thing. Uh, there's no Jumbotrons this week. And you know how that makes me feel? It makes me feel lonely. I'm already alone. I'm literally alone in my apartment talking to myself. And now I got no Jumbotrons either. What's that all about? If you want to get your message out to the world via the jumbotron, you can do it by going to maximumfun.org/slash-jumbotron. Toss a few dollars our way, and you can get a personal message or a business message out to our listeners. And uh, you can see, you can see just by the way I talk, you know, that like how effective a pitch man I am. I am. My dulcet tones are like the Pied Piper. Luring people into commerce, or, uh, or uh, you know, if you got a personal message, what better way to get across your love than the monotonal sounds of a forty-year-old man sitting uh, alone with his cat? What 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 more could any woman or man or non-binary person ask for in a in a love message? than to have it delivered by me, Dan McCoy. Huh? All right. Enough of this banter. Let's get back to the show. Do we have anything to plug? I forget.
2: Uh, Well, we have our live show in January. Okay.
1: Mm -hmm. So Uh, we should
2: plug that. We should plug that on January 26th, Saturday at 8 p.m., we'll be in Wisconsin. That's right. The University of Wisconsin-Madison has us three knuckleheads coming by. We're going to do a live taping of our show uh, we haven't decided on the movie yet, have we?
0: Uh,
2: I don't think
0: yet we have. Uh, but we will we announce it when do, we do. We usually try and do a bigger movie at our live shows, just mm-hmm. so yeah. there's a bigger chance that people may have actually seen what we're talking about. So so
2: that's right, well, Pottersville. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so uh, I don't know. We'll have to think of whether there's been any particularly bad blockbusters lately.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh oh, that's so, weird. Hollywood never makes bad blockbusters. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that's Saturday, January 26th at uh-huh. the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Tickets, I think, are still available. You can, If you go to uh, union.wisc.edu and go to their events and activities calendar, you'll find us in January. Buy some tickets, why don't you? And let me just plug again for myself. My book, my book Horse Meets Dog, is out there. Great gift for kids. Christmas is coming up or Hanukkah or whatever you celebrate. So why not if, – even if you don't have a holiday to celebrate, what if you're an atheist – what if you're Jehovah's Witness and you don't celebrate holidays? That's fine. Still buy a copy of the book. Give it to a kid. Throw it in a fireplace. I don't care as long as you pay for it and I get some of that sweet dollars. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'd prefer you buy it and give it to a child or read it to a child, not throw it in a fireplace. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean it looks pretty burnable. It
2: is mm-hmm. very burnable. It's made of paper. And <laughs> yeah. so it's incredibly flammable. If you get the room to 451 degrees Fahrenheit, it will burst into flame on its own. And okay. so uh, just don't do that. But horsemeat dog mm-hmm. in stores now. Mm-hmm. Thank you for answering that uh,
0: literary question for me too, because I was I was always like, I bet books burn way lower at way lower temperatures than 451 uh, degrees Fahrenheit. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, I didn't know that it was when it would burst into flame, sort of well, on its, its own.
2: It's I'm not sure if it's it's the it's the temperature at which paper burns. Okay. So so that when so the flame has to get it to that heat. But I'm sure if it was in a room, it would burst into flame at that heat. But that's the temperature at which it burns.
0: Okay.
1: So, so yeah. Like so it, that, that that wouldn't happen in my home because, as you know, I always keep my home at a cool 98 degrees.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, Stuart, you don't know the inside of your mouth is a blistering 98.6 <laughs> degrees. Blah. I used to love those is commercials.
1: That, is term. that why that band is named 98 degrees? Because that's the temperature of the inside of a human mouth.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the temperature of a human body, so it's the hottest you can get and not be unhealthy. Uh but I used to love those ads for whatever it was dentine ice or something or uh-huh. uh where they'd be like the inside of your mouth is blisteringly hot and it's like well that's the temperature it should be. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah, I'm not walking around the whole day like ow with, yeah with mouth ow. with mouth <laughs> no, blisters. My, my tongue is so sweaty but <laughs> I, it's kind of like those commercials where they're like do you have low T? You can't play basketball the way you once could and it's like well they're aging. That's what the thing is like mm-hmm, what they're yeah. dealing with is age.
0: Um, let's move on to letters. Okay. Let's do it.
2: Let's move on to letters.
0: Uh, letters from listeners, listeners like you. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, the first letter. It's the
2: most letterful time of the year. Ooh. All hey. the letters are flying and everyone's dying. Uh, Don't open those phone. letters. They're full of germs. Okay.
3: Oh, wow. <laughs> oh,
0: that was, that was pretty nice. Truncated. It was a real
2: warning. It was a real warning about, uh, I guess... D, about uh, making your, sterilizing your mail before you open it. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: this first letter is from Tom, last name with hell. Thomas
1: Lennon.
2: Tom. Uh-oh. Look, I'm a big fan. Just because I didn't like this one movie, I'm still a fan.
0: He says, what it do, Floposaurus Rexes? A few years back, I finally rewatched Poltergeist as an adult mm-hmm. and realized that I had generated false memories about how the movie played out. Uh For whatever reason, as a child, I was certain that when the tree tries to eat the kid, being partially swallowed by hardwood, crushed and broke his legs. This, of course, did not happen in that PG-rated movie. Uh I have a similar false memory about Jurassic Park, namely that the boy child has his legs crushed and broken (laughs) when in the upside-down car (laughs) being stopped and stepped on by the T-Rex. Everybody
1: lock up your legs.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This is how a leg killer starts.
0: But this false memory didn't last as long because, of course, it didn't go as long without getting back into Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is fucking rad.
1: Okay. Also, Soapboxing.
0: let's just not try and figure out why they uh, both involve little boy's legs being broken. <laughs> I'm sure there's some kind of Freud shit going on there, but I'm going to go ahead and not poke that bear. Huh? Mm-hmm. Anyway, my question. Have you ever generated any false memories about a movie without ha- well, after having gone a long time without seeing it? If so, what were they? You guys are great and wonderful, and thanks for doing podcasts at my ear holes. Love you, Tom, last name withheld. Uh, have Have you generated false memories about movies? I thought this was an interesting letter, so I decided to read it, but I actually don't have an answer. <laughs>
2: thanks for your thinking behind that, Dan. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I have, so, I, I don't the, main, the closest thing to that is that uh, for a long time, I thought that Anthony Edwards was the supporting player in Outbreak, and not Kevin okay. Spacey, and I mm-hmm. think it's just because he looked a lot like Anthony Edwards in it. Uh, as I think I mentioned on the on the podcast before, that when I was a kid, some another kid described the movie High Spirits to me and described it in a brutally violent way. That <laughs> I wonder what was going on in that kid's head, and I wonder if this is the same person as the letter writer.
1: Yeah, 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 maybe not. Well, I mean, if you look at the the VHX bo- uh VHS box art for high spirits with like painted on Steve Gutenberg and Peter O'Toole. You're like, this has got to be fucking brutal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, actually. So this is an interesting question, but you know, uh, I have never misremembered anything in a movie ever. And if you go through our back catalog of the podcast, you will see that that checks out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Certainly never anything that involves the injuring or mutilation of a character.
1: No, I mean, of course not. Uh, I think I already said nothing ever. So I guess I don't know why you're being specific.
2: <laughs> uh, here's my question. Here's something. I've, the movie Baby uh, Secret of the Lost Legend. Uh-huh. Uh, now, I have a memory as a kid of the two of the characters in that trying to have sex and the bait and the dinosaur keeps interrupting them. Is that mm-hmm. a real scene? Do you guys remember this movie?
1: <clears throat> no, I think that's that's a scene from that uh, Punisher and Wolverine crossover with the dinosaurs where Punisher and Wolverine try to have sex. <laughs> 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 with that sick Jim Lee artwork. I mean, it's amazing.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. It was Savage something in the Savage Times in the Savage Land or whatever it's called. Yeah, sure. I mean, I uh, think they're in like
1: Brazil or something. Like, that's wild that they... Uh, whatever, man. <laughs> like, what's Punisher doing with fucking dinosaurs, dude? <laughs> Punishing
0: them, I suppose.
2: <laughs> the Punisher doesn't punch people, Dan. You know what the I Punisher said does. punishing. Oh, punishing. I thought you said punching. Okay. No. Then uh, I sure it has what has like I big
0: old guns for everything.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so people write into the Flophouse for the Baby, the Last Dinosaur <laughs> Mystery because I'm not watching that movie again. So tell me if I remembered it incorrectly. Dan? All right.
0: Uh, this next letter is from Jessica, last name withheld. hmm Jessica Lang. Uh... Wow, legend! I, I thought you were going to go rabbit.
1: Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I was going to go with a like a actual person instead of a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't know there were such strict rules.
2: <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Stuart decided to recognize a true legend, an icon of the screen, as opposed yeah. to what the the sex character that you imagine all the time—this animated lady.
0: Yeah. Um. Anyway, <laughs> Jessica writes. I love horror movies, and while some have definitely scared me or stuck with me a long time, they don't give me nightmares. Mm -hmm. For some reason, the only movie that has ever given me nightmares is the 1990 classic horror comedy Tremors. I have no idea why this movie gives me nightmares every time I watch it, because there's absolutely nothing scary in this movie. Peaches, have there ever been a movie that has given you nightmares, even though there was nothing about it that scared you?
1: Just want to just wanna point out that Tremors is awesome. XOXO uh, XO, <laughs> Jessica. Uh,
0: she has a postscript for Elliot. My all-time favorite movie is Clue. So every time Elliot says, to make a long story short, I always add it too late. That has nothing mm-hmm. to do with the question I just thought Elliot should know.
2: Oh, that's very nice. I'm glad to hear that. That's a hilarious movie.
1: Guys, when, uh, when Tremors came out uh, and I watched it all the time, uh, my little brother and I would play a game where we, uh, were, there were tremors under the floor of our basement and we couldn't touch the floor. Did you guys play that game? No, but that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun.
2: <laughs> it does sound fun. Uh, what about you guys? Have you had, ever had nightmares from non-scary movies? Uh, I mean, I
1: remember seeing Return of the Living Dead Part 2 at a young age and look, watching it now, it is not scary, it's hilarious, but I guess I was scared at the time and it gave me nightmares. Uh and I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but uh, I don't find the movie Mother to be scary. But that is the uh, that is the closest approximation to my bartending stress dreams in a movie I've ever seen.
2: <laughs> is like people not, of, not getting off the bar and it crashing? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, well, the idea of like, like the bartending stress dream of always like, it's like just before four and people keep coming in and they won't leave. And mm-hmm. like, I have to change a keg. And when I come back, somebody's pouring their own beer. That's basically the movie <laughs> mother in my head. There's yeah. That,
2: that scene in mother where they were, not, they will not stop sitting on the sink and they mm-hmm. keep getting back on it when she's it like that. It, that makes me so yeah a, like anxious. That movie, I love that movie so much. It makes me so uncomfortable.
3: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, For me, I, you know, because I have uh sleep apnea, I rarely sleep, deeply enough to dream. I mean, I I I for whatever reason I dream when I'm coming out of sleep a, a little bit, but I I very rarely remember having nightmares. Like I get stress dreams about stuff that actually happens in my life, but uh-huh. I don't think I get affected by like movies that way.
2: Yeah, most of my nightmares have been based on have been not necessarily based on real life events, but have been not based on movies. Like I've had a couple nightmares that were so horrifying That I feel like I can't tell anyone about them Mm because it would be admitting that those things came out of my head and my own imagination. And Mm -hmm. I'm not Clive Barker, where I'm like going to brag about that stuff. I'm a I'm a a functioning member of society who doesn't want to sign people's blood or whatever. But uh, I mean, Clive Barker is probably a fine person. But uh, I did I will tell you, I once had a nightmare that involved the hobo character from the Twilight Zone episode, the uh, Five Characters in Search of an Exit, which Uh is kind of a creepy episode, but it's not like scary and. If you'd like, I can tell you a story about Elliot past as a little kid and a Uh dream I had. When I was in kindergarten, I had a hernia operation because Uh who knows my body was very frail, and I remember so vividly the dream I had. You were a uh, you were well, a power um, lifter as a kid, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the problem was I thought I was a power lifter, but I just wasn't ready for it yet. Uh-huh. And when I was competing once, I did I did a like a deadlift that was uh-huh. just too in t- too intense. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah,
1: yeah, You just you crushed a quart of milk, and you are like, I am doing this.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I had when I was under for that operation, I remember so vividly dreaming that the operation was going on in a big Viking longboat that was going over a waterfall mm-hmm. and straddling the waterfall. Like a Colossus was the Tin Man from Wizard of Oz, and he was singing to us, and it was so frightening to me because I was like, I'm already having surgery done, and the Tin Man could crush me at any moment. Like this is so frightening, and I've never yeah. been scared of the Wizard of Oz, and I just that, – that dream has always stuck with me. You know, I think I was four at the time, and mm-hmm. it's and it, like that moment of fright of like this thing could crush me right now, and I couldn't mm-hmm. do anything about it. still very vivid to me.
0: Can I briefly this is not movie related, but uh briefly tell you the, the dream that has haunted me the most. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I had a dream that like years ago Dreams I, in the Flop House by HP Lovecraft. Yeah. I, had, <laughs> I I had a dream that years ago that I, along with some other people, murdered someone and then covered it up and that
1: it has like I haunted. can't believe I can't believe you're talking about this on the <laughs> podcast, Dan. Dan, Instead, that we wasn't gonna, a dream. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> no, but it's, like, haunted me
0: ever since. Like, the thing was, like, I woke up, and then it was one of these things where I was just, like, is that memory false? Like, did I kill someone? Mm-hmm. or it, why I, are there
2: all these leaves in my bed?
1: Yeah. yeah. But,
2: is it real, but, or did Weapon X implant that in me?
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I, like, walked around for a day with, like, this horrifying, like, disquieting yeah. guilt. Like, where I was just, like, Yeah, oh. That's great.
2: I had the opposite experience where I had a dream that I killed a friend of mine, and... The, and uh, they found me guilty, and it was – and one of the exhibits that was on the table in the courtroom was his skin. They had skinned him and just pot, and just folded it up like sh- uh, like laundered sheets and put it on there. And they mm-hmm. found me guilty and mm-hmm. sentenced me to life in jail, and I was like, that's it. My life is over. I'm going to spend the left, rest of my life in prison. And I woke up and was like, I'm going to jail. No, I'm not. Wait a minute. That was a dream. It was the best mm-hmm. I've ever felt in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> it was like, ah, oh, I have a, my whole life ahead of me. This is wonderful. It was yeah. so great.
0: Uh, this last letter is from Catherine. Last name withheld. Mm-hmm. America Aragon. Ava <laughs> yeah,
2: sure. Oh, Cat- same person. <laughs> Catherine America <laughs> no, of, of Aragon.
0: Oh, okay. I thought you were doing a weird pun. Uh I have a brief story. Catherine and a America
2: question. is Captain America's aunt. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Several years ago, I came across a small zith- I came across a small zither in a secondhand store. To my surprise and delight, it turned out to be a tie-in product. For the movie *The Third Man*.
2: Oh, cool! It was
0: a learn-to-play music uh, type instrument with sheets of music you could slide under the strings, including such zither classics as "Mary Had a Little Lamb," "Auld Lang Syne," and of course the theme from *The Third Man*. I purchased it
3: and
2: gave it to my <laughs> a brother. Similarly, an easy classic song. <laughs> yeah,
0: I purchased it and gave it to my brother. The person who first told me about the movie and it's all zither score. That Christmas morning, all activity came to a stop as we all tried to figure out who the target market was. Children who enjoy Zither music and gritty post-war thrillers? (laughs) My question is this. What is your favorite movie tie-in product? Thank you for all that you do, and apologies to Dan for writing Zither so many times. Oh no, I did it again. Zither's not such a hard word to say. Mm
2: -hmm. I I just want to say, one, I love The Third Man. Anyone who's listening to this who's never seen The Third Man, go watch it. It's such an amazing movie. It's so good, and the score is so good, with all the Zither in it. Uh I guess my favorite movie tie-in is uh whatever huge heaping of crappy food Matt Singer has to eat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Your favorite thing is the thing that will slowly kill our friend Matt Singer.
2: <laughs> I yeah. don't want him to die, but I think I I think it's I still think it's hilarious that every time they announce a movie tie-in meal menu he's like, "Oh, I've got to do it. Oh no." Yeah, and the and then the, like hordes
1: ex- of people on Twitter who are che- <laughs> cheering for this,
0: <laughs> like, I think you need to explain it a little more. And that like if a movie comes out like The Incredible Hulk has like a full menu at Denny's or something like yeah, that, that tied like into gr- it, green
2: waffles and all this other crap, you know. Yeah. Like, I mean that,
1: that's what's happening with the Grinch Tying menu is all the <laughs> green shit. At, yeah, and so Matt Singer goes out and he eats everything on those menus. Uh huh. In one sitting, he eats everything. And it's all for some an article, I guess, over at Screen Crush. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's he's really killing himself. So it's all worth it. <laughs> very little <laughs> payoff. Yeah, but uh, I kind of miss when it seems like those meals are the really the only big movie tie-ins left that I see, at least, other than like merchandising for children's movies. And I remember when we were young, it was like every big movie had tie-ins. Like, and I think about the Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves cereal that came out, and like there was everything had so much tie-in stuff. And now the best you can get is a bag of oranges, they'll slap a picture of BB8 on it. Like that's that's supposed to be a movie tie-in. I don't know. What do you guys think?
0: I remember I had a full set of uh the the smaller records, the ones with like the big hole in the middle. I forget which uh 33s are those. Is that what uh-huh. they are? Uh I had a full set of Gremlins uh records that just told oh. the story of the movie Gremlins. Yeah, I yeah, remember yeah. those, yeah. I don't I don't remember where do they, they came from. Do they from, come but, with do they come
1: with like a little picture book too? I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: There,
1: my, were a couple, there were two uh,
2: played, picture books that told the story of Gremlins together, and I think they came with those.
1: I I remember playing that so many times that my mom would always quote like the beginning of one of them, which was Kate and Billy. So <laughs> that was my mom's all-purpose just like uh, exclamation that and she would also call meat roast nebri after uh the dark crystal so that's uh how you be a good Aww, mom i guess <laughs>
2: cool mom cool mom
1: uh yeah the i'm trying to remember i loved i i was always chasing a full set of the uh gremlins 2 collectible cards those were awesome uh and i mean ecto cooler i mean come on
2: <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a beverage how can you not it exists I remember at the at the time, uh, Last Action Hero came out. I think there was a series of cut glass mugs featuring scenes from Last Action Hero that Uh McDonald's or Burger King had. And looking back, it's just like I really want to see those again. I'm gonna have to look (laughs) them up on the internet because that seems like a crazy thing for someone to have had to have made.
0: Yeah, (laughs) these are not. um, This is not a movie tie-in, but I just this just sparked a memory of my mom uh, has these beloved. Uh, Dairy Queen Christmas glasses that uh-huh. they put out when I was young. Had to bring she, out Christmas again, and we went mm-hmm. to Dairy. It's the season, and we went to <laughs> Dairy Queen so much to get like a full set of these little glasses. And my brother uh-huh. like found a f- bunch of extra on eBay like a few years back and gave it to her. But I just found it so funny that my mom
1: was so intent on collecting
0: <laughs> a set of these little glasses.
1: Uh-huh. And were you guys going to DQ just for the frozen treats, or were you also going for the brazier hot stuff? <laughs>
0: uh I think it was I think it was frozen treats. Cool.
2: Yeah. I mean that's that's their signature dish. That's their signature item is the frozen yeah. stuff.
0: Mm. Get some Dilly bars. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> uh all right. So and yeah, and every time Dan would go up to the cashier and say, "Is there a Dairy King?" <laughs> uh. They're like, <laughs>
1: "Sir, you're 12 years old." <laughs>
2: uh so
0: thanks for all those letters Mm -hmm. and uh now we should move on to our final segment which is recommendations movies that we watched that we would suggest you watch instead of pottersville um
1: what are you doing dan what do you see lately
0: i went to see an uh ida lupino double feature at the film forum uh recently and uh the second movie i would not particularly recommend it was artists ampersand models to uh distinguish it from artists and models the Tash the movie. Dean Martin
2: movie?
0: Yeah. Yeah. There was an earlier Don one. Don Martin movie? There was an-
2: <laughs> The Don Martin movie. Mr. Phone Bones Great Adventure. <laughs> there was
0: an earlier unrelated one that had Jack Benny and it had like it was it was interesting. They had like a weird cameo from Rube, Rube Goldberg was in it at one point, and they had this long puppet uh, sequence. It had these interesting sequences, but it was kind of a boring movie in general. So I'm not going for that one, although you know, if it's on TCM maybe. But uh the first one was anything goes. And I will say that anything goes is not a great adaptation of the stage musical because they cut a bunch of the Cole Porter songs. Apparently it was a combination of the Hayes code, not liking his saucy lyrics and, uh, Bing Crosby who played the lead wanted more like crooner numbers he could do. And it makes in sense
2: because the movie, the songs in, I mean, those are Ethel Merman songs in, a. Uh, in anything goes. They're big brassy numbers. Yeah. And and that's not what and Bing Crosby was more about seducing the microphone. Real real intimate.
0: Yeah. But the I mean, you know, Cole Porter, possibly the greatest songwriter. I don't know. Uh, uh and yeah, they, yeah. Him or him or Mozart or Beethoven, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call those songs. <laughs> what would you call them, dude? <laughs> They're, they're musical compositions. They're not songs. Oh boy!
2: Well, wow, I guess I see how you won the hair splitting competition this year. <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs>
0: with the sharpest razor. Uh,
2: no, I you know I,
0: I wouldn't replace like those beautiful songs with with other songs. Like that's a bad thing. The 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 plot itself is cut down a fair bit, and it ends in a big like racist by today's standards Chinese number. Mm-hmm. So I give that warning about the movie, but I mean a lot racist,
2: of, racist by any standards. They just didn't care back then.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do give the movie a lot of credit though, because like what remains of the farcical plot is uh is very funny and and well done. Um, and uh, there's uh, I'm looking it up. I think his name is Charles Ruggles. Yeah, Charles Ruggles plays uh, Moonface Martin, the gangster. In the movie that drives a lot of the plot, and he is very funny. It's a very it's a classic comic performance, and uh, so I I liked anything goes. Solid movie, not a great adaptation of the musical. Cool. Right.
1: Uh, I have a movie I'm going to recommend is a movie that is in probably isn't in theaters anymore, but it is in now when we're recording it. But when you're listening to it, it won't be. Uh, and that's the uh, the new Suspiria movie. Uh, oh man, I love that shit. Uh, I saw it in the theater twice. Uh, it's super long. It's like two and a half hours. Although I didn't feel it. Um, it's like artsy. It's fucking wild. Uh, yeah, it's really great. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the original. Like, I like it, but you know, I don't. It's Dario Argento. We, I've talked about it. <laughs> Uh, or my relationship with Dario Argento's work. Um, and uh, yeah, I just love it so much. It creates this world that I just like being in. And uh, yeah, it's great. Go see it.
0: I Yeah, I would have recommended this this week, but I figured Stuart was all over it, so uh, I didn't. But I think it's kind of a masterpiece.
1: I, yeah, it's, it's so good.
2: I would have but recommended it, but I haven't gotten to see it yet. It's also the movie
1: that like, I, I've talked to multiple people who have, like, walked out of it, which yeah. seems crazy to me, but whatever. Yeah. To each his own.
0: It's a divisive movie, which I think is
1: people to, have to compared credit. People have compared it to Mother, which seems strange to me, because, like, I can clearly get why people would not like Mother. Yeah. Uh, it's Mother is such a big swing. And I guess Suspiria is too, but, like, it's like, it's not... It's it. I don't know. (laughs) The movie I would compare Suspiria to is,
0: and I know that you know uh, the director is obviously not a not a not a good man, but I would uh, compare it to Rosemary's Baby, kind of, because Uh it has a similar way of approaching horror. Like it's not horror that's about a lot of thriller style tension or big shocks. Even though there are a couple of like very like shocking sequences, Uh but it's about creating disquiet. And like an unease with you
1: and that I really want uh, to see it. And I can't wait. I can't wait till we hear an Academy Award nomination for Dr. Lutz Ebersdorf.
2: (laughs) 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 All right. What do you got, Elliot? Uh, I'm going to mention a movie that I actually watched on a plane, but I was not lowering my expectations at all. I just happened to be on a plane. Mm -hmm. Uh, and That's a movie it's a it's, movie I uh, wanted to see anyway.
1: It, it was something shot in seventy millimeter, I hope.
2: <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And it's called Avatar. Uh, so which I have seen people watching on planes, and I'm like, All right, there was this same plane ride, there's one guy who's watching nothing but Marvel movies, and I'm like, All right, I guess it's you want to watch it on this tiny screen, sure, go ahead. Uh, but this movie I'd really want to see, I really wanted to see, it, and so I was excited that it was on this plane. It's called Blind Spotting. And it's a movie oh, that stars cool. David Diggs. And it's all about a guy who he's served a short term in prison and is at the very end of his bro- probation period. He's three days till he's done with probation. He works at a moving company with his longtime childhood best friend who is white but grew up in the bad part of Oakland and so kind of thinks of himself as honorary black, I guess. And there are a, a number of different things happen in the movie that all tie together and I kind of like don't want to say too much about it except that David Diggs' character is, is kind of constantly being challenged to not get into situations that will hurt his chances of finishing his probation. Not through his own fault, but just because of the way that this things are going on in, in Oakland right now. And it's about gentrification, and it's a little bit about uh, the way people interact with the police there and the way the police interact with people there. Uh, and something about this movie, the trailer makes it look like it's super intense. Like, the trailer makes it look like it's a movie about a police shooting that starts tearing someone's life apart. And it is a little bit about that. And it was listed in on the airplane as genre crime, which is not the case at all. And yeah. so I want to tell people, like, it's, there's a, it's also a really funny movie, and it's really a character movie about this guy, his relationship with his best friend, and the people around him. And it builds to a very intense, powerful climax. But it is not a nonstop forcing you to confront things movie. And it's also not a movie that feels like, oh, I have to watch this because it's about things that I approve of or something like that. It's not a movie that feels like homework. It's a really fun, entertaining movie that I really, really liked a lot. And does David Diggs rap in it? Yeah, of course he does. He's amazing Mm -hmm. at rapping. Uh, But in a way that feels, that's just really good. And mm-hmm. uh, I really liked it a lot. So blind spotting—that's the movie. Go wow, see it.
1: That's a uh, and that's a that's a contemporary release, Elliot. That this is was, a movie uh... that
2: came out this year.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Elliot an and I
0: peed in a fountain at the same time, and so we switched. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Dan's recommending
2: black and white movies, and I'm recommending new movies about black and white issues that aren't exactly black <laughs> and white.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wish everyone at home could have seen the little. Headcock that Ellie did. <laughs> and also, I put movie. my
2: hand on, I put my fist on my hip, like, you guys know what I'm talking about. Let's get real, everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, Wayne Knight has a small part in it. So, for anyone who's been wondering what Wayne Knight's what? up to these days, he's in it. There's, it's, this is another one that the cast in the movie is really fantastic and everyone's really okay. good in it. So, blind spotting. I can't say enough good things about it. All
0: right. Well, guys, uh, thanks for embarking on this Pottersville journey with me. I almost said Potty'sville there. Mm,
2: (laughs) Now, how would (laughs) Potty'sville have been different? How would that
0: be a different movie? I feel like that's a weird Pixar movie about <laughs> about talking potties.
2: <laughs> Here in Pottiesville, we've got a dirty job to do, but we love doing it. But then, well, what this happened? Is
1: our, this is the court-mandated movie we made so that we could <laughs> teach children how to go to the bathroom.
2: It's like, would it be like a toilet falls off the back of a truck and has to find its way to its new home? Or uh-huh. it's a town where everyone's a toilet and... I don't know what. Hi, play. my name's John. <laughs> <laughs> and someone goes, and something bad happens, and the toilet goes, "Oh crap!" Like that's the mm-hmm. kind of stuff that happens. And of course, yeah. John Ratzenberger plays a <laughs> does a voice <laughs> in it. But yeah, yeah, who's the voice of the main toilet?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Dan. Uh, well, I think that Pottersville's Ron Perlman should do that.
2: <laughs> oh <okay. laughs>
1: wow, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a young everyman type voice. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Here's the thing about Ron Perlman in Pottersville. Ron I feel Holman. like I
1: feel like Tom Holland was listening to this episode and was like, He's gonna say me. <laughs> and then picked up his iPod and threw it in the river when he said it.
0: Hey, Tom, Tom
2: Holland, if you're listening,
1: write in,
0: man. You know, we love you. Yeah, yeah. Shoot us e- some webs.
2: Either Tom Holland, the actor or the screenwriter. Right yeah, and exactly. director, write in. If you're the Tom Holland from Spider Man, write in. If you're the Tom Holland from Fright Night, write in. We don't care. We like both of you. If yeah. you're the country Holland, do it. Right in. Yeah, sure. <laughs> If you're a, if you're just named Tom, write in. Unless mm-hmm. you're the Tom from the movie Peeping Tom, don't kill us with a with a camera with a sharpened leg. Don't do that. But yep. uh, so, what I like here's something I'll say for the last about Parsville is that that Dan <laughs> just made me think is that Ron Perlman clearly wants to do comedy. Uh-huh. Yeah. He seems to really enjoy doing comedy, and he's a really funny performer. And I wish that there was more straightforward comedy stuff for him to do. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, guys. I think I deserve a little bit of credit because we did a whole episode <laughs> on this movie and I didn't talk about the Bigfoot pizza from Pizza Hut. once.
0: <laughs> All right. So I guess we we should give you some credit. Mm-hmm. You want to
1: back? For I will take it in uh, pizza from Pizza Hut. <laughs> in that's in that's, that's how I'll accept you know, my credit. <laughs> <All> <laughs> I'll right. take a bunch of stamps on my uh, Pizza Hut reading club card or whatever. <laughs> All right. So I get a personal fan pizza. Book it. Can yep. I
2: imagine Stuart lives in a world where pizza is currency? So he's like, just give me a dollar and a slice of pizza, and he has to put that in a wallet and then fold it into his pants pocket.
1: Uh-huh, yeah, it's the YA novel I'm working on. Yeah. Uh, the the, up, the upper crust get pizza with as many toppings as they want. Okay. This is a weird dystopian <laughs> world.
0: Um, anyway, uh, thanks to Maximum Fun for having us on their network. Go to MaximumFun.org. To check out other shows on the network,
1: yeah, there's probably a bunch that are better than this one. Uh, oh,
2: oh, for sure, for sure. And uh, go uh, listen to Switchblade Sisters, better show than this.
1: Okay, uh, and
2: uh, and if you like, but if you crazily like this show, why not write us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to your podcasts? Why don't you tweet about us hashtag The Flophouse? Mm-hmm. Why don't you tweet at us at The Flophouse Pod? Uh, mm-hmm. leave a message on our on our. Uh, Website, if you want, leave a comment on this episode. But yeah. the best thing would be for me to do would be to write a review, you know, on iTunes or something, or tell a friend, "Hey, you got to listen to this thing," or I'll stop being friends with you.
0: If you mm-hmm. if you write a comment on the website, uh, don't do what one guy did and get really mad at me that uh, I had theoretically deleted his comment, which is not true. I just take a long time to approve comments to make sure they aren't spam. So just know that you your comment may be delayed if you write a comment on the website. Don't you don't know what? come at me.
2: Let's let's not kick over that nest of hornets. Let don't even bother Dan with it. Just go to iTunes and write a review of mm-hmm. us there, or uh, or tweet about us, Facebook about us, Instagram about us, uh, Periscope about us, Vine about us, uh, uh. Friendster about us, MySpace about us. Uh, is uh, is there a thing where you can where it's like you can send video? I mean, text your mom about us. Whatever you want to do, like uh, mm-hmm. uh, send send an email to your send a Blue Mountain mm-hmm. e card to your grandma about us. Uh-huh. They love those. Mm-hmm. Uh, just whatever electronic way of communication you yeah. use just talk about the flop house send
0: mm-hmm. an evite that it's just an invitation to listen to the flop house
2: mm-hmm. oh that's um, a good idea
0: anyway or the flop house which we've been talking about a lot i've
1: i've been dan mccoy
2: hey i'm Stuart wellington over here elliot kalin saying have a happy holiday if you celebrate a holiday or not just have a good december
1: Ugh. <laughs> bye <laughs>
2: I don't see why that ugh was, was justified. That seems like a bit much.
1: I mean, normally I recommend like, you know, some stretching and warming up, but I think we're pretty warm, guys. <laughs> you know? Yeah, let's just jump right into this <laughs> thing, huh? Let's just jump
2: right in. Let's, let's just drive Good, right bad, into the bad, bad it is great.
0: <laughs> On this episode, we discuss Pottersville.
3: <laughs>
0: well, let's do that over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, professional. maximumfun.org.
2: Comedy and culture. Artist owned,
1: listener supported.